turn the page.
Richie Soli, would you pray for the offering this morning, please?
Can I have somebody turn all the theaters down except for number seven? Hallelujah. It's good to be in the house of God. It's good to feel the presence of the Lord. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Okay, all the younger generation can be dismissed to your respective classes. Remember, teachers, I want everybody in here by quarter two, so. <coughs> Hallelujah, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We shall resume. We shall resume. Somebody might be saying, resume what? Living for God. That's what we'll resume. That's the only thing we can do. That means anything. That should be significant to us. <clears throat> I want to, I want to, hopefully, my objective is to try to, uh, a thought came to me as we're going into the Day of Atonement. I'm talking about uh, the Feast of Tabernacles and everything that we have been uh, researching thus far. And uh, there's so many facets to this. <laughs> it just seems like when we get into it, and then uh, this morning as I was looking at my notes and just trying to get an idea, and this thought came to me, so I just went ahead and I just, I pursued that thought. But uh, just to kind of give you an idea, uh, if you would, if you would turn with me in your in your Bibles to the book of uh, Numbers, and I believe it's in chapter 29. Let me find my notes here. Let me see if I kept that. Okay. Not that part of it. And I suppose. <laughs> You've got to be kidding me. We shall resume anyway. <laughs> I got the wrong notes there. That's, that's no biggie. Uh, Numbers 29. I, I think I got them in the book here. Just hold on a second. Numbers 29. Go there. And uh, a thought came to me this morning. <laughs> I might have. 
And I, if I have to ad lib, I guess I have to ad lib, but it's going to be by the Spirit. Number uh, 29, verses 7 through 11. And, uh, okay, this is altogether something different. I'm talking to myself, so never pay, don't pay attention to me. Numbers 29 and verses uh, 7. And uh, what, 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 I, what I was thinking about this morning, of course, we, we know this. If I want to renew everybody's, or refresh, not renew, refresh everybody's memory. What was one of the things that we established about the priest, the high priest, on the Day of Atonement? What was one of the most significant things that we established about the high priest in the ceremony on the Day of Atonement? Does anybody remember? You can look at your notes if you want to, if you have notes. What was one of the things? What, what was one thing that was a major change in the ceremony on the Day of Atonement uh, compared to all the other times. Five changes of clothing. Five times he had to change his garments during that ceremony, which began in the morning and basically went through the whole day. And at the end of the day, the latter part of the afternoon, right where the afternoon ends, and the last thing was taken care of, which was making that atonement uh, on that particular day. So we notice that there is, an, if I want to say it in that sense, there is even more activity taking place during the service of the tabernacle. Is that safe to say? If you, stu if you study it, you're going to find out that is so. You're going to find out that is so. You're going to notice that there's more activity. So the priests were given certain commandments, especially the high priest, during that day, he changed his garment, he changed his garments five times. So we know there is a significance to that. There is a significance to that. Okay? Now here's the other thing. In, in Numbers 29, in 7 and through 711, we shall see this. It says, And ye shall have on the tenth day of this seventh month and holy convocation, ye shall afflict your souls, ye shall, ye shall not uh, do any work therein, but ye shall offer a burnt offering unto the Lord for a sweet savor, one bullock and one ram and seven lambs of the first year, and they shall be unto you without blemish. And their meat offering shall be of flour mingled with oil, three tenth deals to a bullock, and two tenth deals to a ram, and a several tenth deal for one lamb, and throughout the seven lambs. One of the one kid of the goats for a sin offering, besides the sin offering of atonement, and the continual burnt offering, and the meat offering of it, and their drink offerings. So so you see here, you see here a a commandment given to the sacrifices. Now, now, if you study the sacrifices that he's talking about right here on the Day of Atonement and compare them to the sacrifices that were offered, uh, for example, going back on, on 
the Passover, unleavened bread, and then, uh, of course, first fruits, and then, of course, on the Feast of Pentecost, the Feast of Weeks. If you compare the number of sacrifices to all the rest of the sacrifices that were offered up during these other feasts, guess what? You're going to find out. What are you going to find out? Does anybody want to know? A lot more. Here's the thing. The sacrifices have increased. The sacrifices have increased. Now, is that sinking in? Is that sinking in? Okay. I hope so. <laughs> let me ask you a question. Let me see, let me see how many of you are... Uh, Know this. Who offered the sacrifices? Who presented the sacrifices? Yes, the priest was there. He received the sacrifices. But who offered the sacrifices? The head of each family. So there was a representation from every family. It was the male. The head of every family offered these sacrifices on part of his family. Okay? So there was a connection there. That connection there was... It was a personal, personal sacrifice. Remember that. A personal sacrifice. So, for example, let's say if uh, Brother Richie's the head of his family, so he would represent his family, so he was the one that brought the sacrifices that represented him and his family. So on and so on, Brother Aaron, and so on and so on, Brother Sinaway, Brother Kyle, so on and so on. So they would represent the family, so they would offer that Sacrifice for that family. The sacrifices, I'm not going to say not one sacrifice, but several sacrifices were offered for their family. They represented their family. Okay? So it, here, here's the thing. It, it, it was connected to every individual. It was connected to every individual. Okay? So we know that the priests were the ones that took care of of all the ceremonial part of it, the shedding of blood, uh, going into the tabernacle and making the atonement uh, so that their sins can be uh, dealt with. Amen. Does everybody understand that? So that was that was their that was their part. Now 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 that we know that now here's here's another thing, and, and this is the reason why I felt to do this this morning because. Uh, I felt this in the spirit, all right, so that you could, obviously for, so that you could understand, okay, so you could understand. Uh, the other reason is I, I want you to get, um, how would I say, stirred up. I want you to get interested. I want you to seek. I want you to research. I want you to study for yourself so that you can know the significance of this. Now, here's the other part of it. Now, I, I want you to understand something. The feast started out with the feast of Passover. Is that correct? Is that correct? Okay, which is in the month Abib, or Sivan, uh, Abib and Sivan are the same thing, uh, are April. And so they start out with the, the Passover, 
the Passover basically begins everything. Now, now here's, here's the thing. There is a big, there is a difference. The way this is done. So it starts out, it starts out with the sacrifice that was offered on uh, the feast, or yeah, the, the Passover, because it is a feast. It, it starts out with that sacrifice that is offered, and uh, it starts out with uh, the Passover lamb. Now, there's a significance for these sacrifices. There's a significance for these sacrifices. And I want to somehow this morning present it in such a way so you can see the difference or the significance of these sacrifices. So it starts out, the feast starts out, and it starts out with Passover. Now, I'm going to work my way up so you can see. I'm going to take my time to do this for you so you can understand. Is that all right? And I, I don't, I'm happy to do this. Um, so here we are. We start out Passover, and this is the significance of the sacrifice. The significance of the sacrifice and how it begins starts out with just one sacrifice. Everybody paying attention? If you have questions, lift your hand up. If, you, if, if something is not clear to you, lift your hand up and I'll do my best to answer you. But I want you to understand this. It starts out with just one sacrifice compared to all the other sacrifices that were offered up, you know, right after. You'll notice one sacrifice is offered on Passover. Does anybody know what that sacrifice is? Does anybody know what that sacrifice was? What was it? A lamb. That one sacrifice was a lamb. You, you read that. Let's go into Leviticus uh, 23. And, and we'll just kind of establish this. Uh, you know, like I said, I don't mind taking my time. I don't mind taking my time. But I want you to understand this. Because for you to, to be able to see the sacrifices, God in His wisdom... He knows what he's doing. And I, I want to pass that on to you so you can understand, really, the significance of how all this fits, how this is laid out, how this, all this is directed to us, okay? That's the reason why I'm doing it. So in Leviticus chapter 23, in verse number 5, look what he says. He says this. He says, In the fourteenth day of the first month at even is the Lord's Passover. So this begins with the Passover. Now, if you want to understand what the Passover is, you'll probably have to read, uh, go back into the book of Exodus and read what the Passover is. And uh, because this is how all the feasts start out, and you go back to Leviticus chapter 12, and you see instruction there. Leviticus 12, we'll just read from verse 1 to 6 for now. But this is, uh, these are the instructions concerning the, the Passover. He says, And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron on the land in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. 
speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month, they shall take to them every man a lamb according to the house of their fathers. A lamb for an house. So they are to separate a lamb from the flock. Okay? And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be, now look what he says, your lamb shall be without blemish. A male of the first year. Ye shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. And ye shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. So they were instructed to take that lamb to separate it from the flock the tenth day. And that tenth day to the fourteenth day, they were to basically, basically observe or inspect the lamb. Okay? They were to observe or to inspect the lamb. He goes on to say that the lamb should be without blemish. It should be without blemish. It was, it was, there wasn't supposed to be any kind of, uh, uh, you know, as far as uh, sores or, or anything concerning its physical uh, uh, condition. It was to be a lamb that was basically, if, if I want to say it in this way, it was to be a perfect lamb. It wasn't supposed to have any scars or anything like that on it. No blemishes. It couldn't be a, a, a blind lamb. It couldn't be a deaf lamb. It couldn't be a lame lamb. It couldn't be anything like that. Do you understand why he said that? Okay, so it had to be a perfect lamb. It had to be a lamb that was without blemish. Okay? And uh, to separate it, to separate it from the 10th day all the way to the 14th day until uh, the day it was to be offered up for a sacrifice. Okay? But here's the thing. The lamb spent that many days from the 10th to the 14th day with the family. It spent that time with the family, okay? And I, I don't want to deviate from what I'm trying to tell you right here and, and go off, but guess what? The, the whole thing about this separation and the lamb being separated for 10 days to the 14th day for observation with the family, here's the thing. What's the thought behind that? The thought behind that is so that everybody in observing that lamb, because it had to be taught to their children. When you offer a the Passover lamb, it has to be a perfect lamb. It has to be a lamb without blemish. So it had to be taught to the children. And the only way that the children could know is if they observed the lamb. And they were, they were showing visually what the lamb had to be like. They were given an, <coughs> excuse me, an example of that lamb. <coughs> excuse me. But in the process of, of this examination, guess what? The whole thing, the whole purpose of this was that every family member, because they observed that lamb, took them that many days to find out if that lamb was a perfect lamb. It was a lamb suitable for sacrifice. It took them that many days to observe it. They could look at it. They could inspect it. They could find out it, was, it was, didn't have any blemishes or anything. Okay? 
But here's the whole thing behind that. It, it, it was done so that all the family could make a connection with that lamb. Any of you ever seen a, a little lamb? Any of you ever seen a little baby lamb? Tell you what, those are cute little things. They're almost like they're almost like human beings. The way they go, ma. Or I heard some go, ma, 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 ma. And I have to do a double take. I said, there's a what? Sound like he said, ma, ma. And I'm just thinking, ma, ma. And here's the thing about them. They're innocent. There's, there's nothing, you, you, there's no guile in them. I mean, they're just so innocent. They're so, you know what? They're so trusting. They, they make a connection with you. It's just like when you see that, and then you, it just makes you want to go over and pet their little head, and you know, because they're so innocent. There's, here's the thing. They're lovable. And so here, here we see that, this lamb, and, and, and for that purpose, and any person, if you spend time with a little baby lamb, you're going to find out you're going to get attached to that lamb. All you ladies in here better go, oh, just cute. <laughs> That's how they are. It's just the, the nature of the lamb just kind of draws you, draws your attention. Now, why do you suppose, and I, I'm not going to deviate from this, but I just, I feel this, so I need to go on with this. But why do you suppose that the nature, you know, uh, what is it about that lamb that just draws your attention? I guarantee you this. Every Israelite, every family member, when that lamb was put there for inspection and they came along, you know, they might have walked by it a few times and might have looked at it, but all of a sudden, guess what? Here comes that, just the nature of the lamb that just drew them in where they looked at it and they go, wow. And the closer you got, the closer you, you got to that lamb, the stronger the appeal to it. Amen. Does anybody know why? Does anybody even know why? Sister Dina, you've been around livestock. What, what, do, you, what do you think the reason why? Because I, you know, I, I never really was that close to like livestock like that, but one time when we had a chance to go out there and check them out, I was thinking, wow. You get to know them. Yeah, you get to know them. You get to know them, the nature of it. Because when you go up to them, I mean, they're... Those little lambs are pretty friendly little creatures. Huh? It seems like there's no barriers. They just—they don't care if you're a human being or another animal. Guess what? They're—I almost gave it away that I'm not going to say that word. But they just kind of seem to want to make that connection with you. Does anybody know why? Does anybody want to know why? You know what it is? Their innocence. Their innocence. It's just like, here's something that's not defiled. Here's something that is innocent. Here's something that is not, you know, 
hasn't been corrupted. And just because of that nature, guess what? We see it, and let me tell you something, it's real. And so when we see the realness of it, it's just like where, where that effect hits you like, you know what? You, you have compassion for that lamb. I guarantee you this, every Israelite had compassion for that lamb. Huh? They got attached to it. And they had compassion for it. So when the day when the day came for its sacrifice, guess what? I guarantee you, it was a hard thing for them to let that lamb go. Ooh. You all know what I'm talking about. Especially females are more sensitive than men are, supposedly. Bible says you're weaker vessels. You know what that means? It means that you're more sensitive emotionally, spiritually. So you're able to. You mothers know what that is like, don't you? Huh? You carry your children around for nine months in the womb, and guess what? It's just like you. And, and it's like what I used to tell my kids. You know, today's thought is when I'm 18 years old, I'm going to go out on my own. Good luck with that. Huh? But you know what? I noticed my wife, when my kids were getting, growing up and getting older and going out, I guess it's my wife. She's still like that, even today. You know why? She has a connection with her kids. You have that connection. So you feel that way. You, 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 you will never quit being a mother. Yes. Amen. And guess what? You will never quit being children. Yes. It's true. Amen. And so I'm saying that is you have that connection. And, and, and here, here's the thing. Here's what I want you to understand. That, what, that, that first sacrifice was a lot different than the other sacrifices that were going to come after them. Why is that? Okay, I'll help you along a little bit more. Why is that? Well, immediately after that first sacrifice on the day of Pentecost, hallelujah, on the day of Pentecost, the day of uh, the Passover, the Passover started on the 14th, and here comes the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So the Feast of Unleavened Bread on the 15th, the day after that, guess what? The the sacrifices, the, the whole thing about sacrifices changed. It wasn't just, you know, that one lamb. The sacrifices changed. You'll see that. Go with me to, uh, go with me to uh, First Leviticus 23 again. I, I can never get tired of this. I don't know about you. It says in Leviticus 23, verse number 8. And after we get done there, we'll go to uh, Numbers 28, after Le Leviticus 23, but Levit Leviticus 23, verse number 8. But ye shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord seven days, and the seventh day is the holy convocation. Ye shall do no servile work therein. So that's immediately beginning 
with the feast of unleavened bread. You shall offer a sacrifice made by fire. Seven days. And the seventh shall be a day of holy convocation. You shall do no survival. In other words, it was going to be a Sabbath. So let's take a little bit, let's get a little bit more, uh, uh, let's see what he means by this, the sacrifices. If you go over to, on the day of unleavened bread, go to uh, Numbers 28, and, and you'll see this, Numbers 28. All right. Numbers 28, verse number 19. Does everybody have it? <clears throat> Verse number 19, but ye shall offer a sacrifice made by fire for a burnt offering. Okay, now he's talking, he's, he's, he's making reference, this is on the 15th day of this month. This is at the beginning of unleavened bread, verse number 17. Okay, but this is the commandment concerning the sacrifices. But ye shall offer a sacrifice made by fire for a burnt offering unto the Lord. Now look what he says, two young bullocks and one ram. And seven lambs of the first year, they shall be unto you without blemish. Look what he says. Two young bullocks. And one ram. And seven lambs of the first year, they shall be unto you without blemish. Now here, here we see there is a difference in the sacrifice that was offered up on the day of the Passover, isn't there? Can any, anybody tell me what that difference is? Was it the time of day? What was different about this sacrifice than the sacrifice that was offered on the day of Passover? Does anybody notice? Can anybody tell me what's the difference? Right there in front of you. Right there in front of you in verse number uh, 19. What's the difference? Remember? Huh? A, a burnt offering, yes. That, but what's the, what's the difference in the sacrifices, though? There's more, but what's the difference? Passover was just what? One, but what was it? A lamb. On, on the, starting out with unleavened bread, it changed, didn't it? There was more sacrifices, but yet here, here we see this. It, it didn't start out with the lamb, but it started out with it started out with two bullocks, one ram, and then seven lambs in that order. Why is that? Why, why is the difference from a lamb on Passover and then the feast of unleavened bread? You're gonna follow, you can see that from that point on, unleavened bread, you go over to the feast of Pentecost, uh, unleavened bread. The Feast of First Roots, and then the Feast of Pentecost in, in, in Sivan, and then going even into uh, the Feast of, uh, of Tabernacles. This was basically the precedent of all the sacrifices after Passover. Does everybody see that? That was a precedent. It was two bullocks, it was a ram, and it was seven lambs. And of course, if you could not afford to, 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 to bring a sacrifice of this nature, guess what? If, if you couldn't afford to do that, you were instructed to bring what? Two turtle doves, weren't you? As a sacrifice. So that was kind of like a, uh, how would you say, um, something, if you couldn't afford that sacrifice, you just brought two turtle doves. If that was all you could afford. 
Um, but from that point on, guess what? The sacrifice has changed. All right? Is everybody ready for this now? Are you ready for this? Because I'm going to put it on you now. Anybody ever ask yourself the question, why does it change? Anybody? Anybody that ever studied the sacrifices, when you see that, at that, there's, there's one sacrifice on the day of Passover, and then when it changes, you're going to find out after the, after the Passover sacrifice, the lamb, on the day of unleavened bread, from that point on, the, the sacrifices change from bullocks to, to rams to lambs. From that precedent was set from that feast all the way going up to tabernacles. Why the difference in the sacrifice? Does anybody know? What did, what did we talk about? About the lamb. It's innocent. So, guess what? The lamb had a, a certain quality or nature about it, didn't it? Huh? And that quality in nature was what? Innocence. It was a, a, a lamb that was without spot. But here we come. Here we come to uh, the Feast of un Unleavened Bread and every feast after that, the sacrifice has changed. It's no more a lamb to start it off with. Instead, it's two bullocks and rams and lambs. Woo-hoo! In that order. Think about it. Is anybody curious? Are you curious? Well, the only thing I can tell you is read your Bibles. You'll find out. <laughs> but this is the reason why. Jesus, as John the Baptist said, uh, where was that? In 1 John chapter 1, somewhere around there. What did he call Jesus when he seen him coming? Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. So Jesus was called the Lamb of God. Alright? One thing about Jesus, here's, here's the difference about Jesus. Let, let, let me read, just, just let me read a few things about Jesus. Uh, the Bible says this, and uh, uh, let me see if I wrote this down. The Bible says about Jesus that, uh, uh, well, I thought, I, I thought I'd put a marker in here. See that? I just realized I, was, I wasn't using this Bible when I was going through this this morning. I was using my reading Bible, so obviously my markers are in my reading Bible. I, I apologize for that. But I have a reading Bible, I have a preaching Bible, and I have a Bible study Bible. <laughs> I have three kinds of Bibles. <laughs> I always get go back and forth, but... Okay, where am I now? Okay, here's the, here's, the thing, here's the thing about Jesus. I'm trying to find the scripture verse. 
uh, 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 Hebrews 4, 15. Hebrews 4, 15. Look what it says about Jesus. Seeing then, in verse number 4, 14 in Hebrews 4, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. So we see that Jesus was in all points tempted like we are, yet he was without sin. So and guess what? He was he was innocent. Huh? He was innocent. He knew no sin. He came to this earth. And when we talk about incarnation, all that simply means is that's a theological or or yeah, theological term meaning deity has become humanity. God became flesh, dwelt among us. But the Bible says, the, the, the writer in the book of Hebrews said, he had to become like his brethren. What was his brethren like? His brethren were what? We were human beings, weren't we? We were flesh. So he had to know what it was like to be uh, bound by flesh. And so the Bible says about him, he was in all points tempted like as we are. Yet he was without sin. In other words, every experience that we experience in our body as human beings, whatever kind of experience it is, if it was sin, if it was emotions, if it was, uh, you know, something in, in, in our body, in our flesh, lust, everything, he went through it, he experienced, he, he was tempted with it, but guess what? The difference was he was without sin. He was innocent. Huh? Does everybody understand that now? He was innocent. So just think about this. He was the only human being not to be corrupted or defiled by sin. Not touched by sin. Hmm? That's why death couldn't hold him. The wages of sin is death. That's why death couldn't hold him and keep him in the grave. You know why? It wasn't just because he was God and he, he, he had the Spirit of God in him. It wasn't just because of that. Because he kept his flesh from sin. And so because he kept his flesh from sin, guess what? When, it went, when he went down into the grave, when it went into Hades, guess what? How could it hold him? You know why? He was sinless. Even though he died, it couldn't hold him down there. And, and you know, pretty soon the, the power of eternal life resurrected him. Boom. So the difference was, Jesus was, the, the Passover lamb was basically, you know, that's who Jesus was. The lamb, or, Paul said that, he made reference to that in, uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 7, about Jesus being our Passover lamb. Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. So in other words, we're making that connection, he was our Passover lamb. Everything about his nature when the Bible says, when he was reviled, he reviled not again. He didn't, he, he, he wasn't given into his human emotions. When then concerning the sacrifice on the day of Passover had to deal, the, the, the nature of the lamb, the nature of the lamb was that it was an innocent lamb. It was a 
holy lamb. It was a pure lamb. Does everybody see that? That's why that sacrifice was such a powerful sacrifice. It did not know corruption, did not know sin. He did not know it. That's why that sacrifice is a meaning sacrifice. But now here's the thing. The difference between that sacrifice is this. What we see with that sacrifice is this. Even though he was a human being, what we see in his nature, what we see about him was this. He was divine. In other words, what does the Bible say? He was separate from sinners. He was divine. So that's why on that day, his nature was symbolized by the nature of a lamb. That's why on that day, it was only the lamb that was sacrificed. Everybody, is everybody getting it now? It was the only the lamb that was sacrificed on that day. Why? Now, here, it didn't need to be bulls or rams. Why is that? <coughs> now, here's another question. Here's another question. Uh, why did God... Because God does, he doesn't, doesn't throw things out there. He don't say, well, you know what, I'm going to have these guys, uh, I'm going to have them offer up these sacrifices. Let me see now. Hmm. Uh, I'll have them sacrifice uh, bullocks and rams. Yeah, that's what I'll do. And then I'll follow up with lambs. Yeah, that's what I'll do. God doesn't think like that. He has a purpose in everything that he does. Huh? So when he put this thing together, here's the thing. If we know that the Passover lamb basically represented Jesus Christ, and guess what? Here's the thing. We're to offer up sacrifices that are acceptable to God, aren't we? Mm -hmm. now, now, here's the thing. It's going to all come together when I say this, but I want you to understand this. So, his sacrifice was represented by a lamb. Our sacrifices are represented by bullocks and rams. You know, you, know, you know who that's describing? That's describing human nature. Woo. That's why the sacrifices just that one time was just a lamb, but after that, if you study that all the way through to tabernacles, every sacrifice, bullocks, rams, and lambs in that order. Why? Because God has to deal with human nature. Amen. Does that make sense? Amen. God has to deal with our human nature. We have the Holy Ghost, but yes, guess what sometimes happens? Our flesh tries to get in the way. Our human nature tries to get in the way. So God devised a plan that is a perfect plan. What, did he, what was the, the plan he devised? He said, present your bodies a living sacrifice. Amen. And human nature is represented in the bullock and the ram. Now pay attention to this because that's how we are. Sometimes we're stubborn. Sometimes we're bullish. 
Sometimes we're forceful. That's what, that's what the bullock and the rams represent, human nature. Hard-headedness, yes, there you go. Want to butt heads with everybody? That ram, huh? Being like a ram, want to butt heads with everybody? Being like a bull, want to, you know, force your way around? Human nature. Well, what did, what did James and, and, and what did the apostle James say and even and Peter? He said, when they described human nature, they said, brute, brutish. Why is it? That's just the way we are. Human nature. Huh? Everybody, you might as well admit, you're all pretty stubborn people. That's the truth. Some things that you just, uh, God has to wrestle with us. Uh, that's why he said, Bullock, Ram, represent our nature. You ever notice that? Now it goes in this order. The sin, the sin, first thing, the, the first thing that had to be, these are all burnt sacrifices. The first thing that had to be done in the sacrifices, if you read it, was what? The first thing that had to be taken care of was what? Yeah, there you go. Sin, the sin offering was the first thing that had to be done. And then the next was what? Now, these are all burnt offerings. Because uh, uh, uh. there, there were different type of offerings, if you can study that. When it came down to certain things happening, they had to bring a certain sacrifice. But the sin offering, and then, and, well, the meat offering is all part of that, the meal offering. But what else came after that? When you took care of the, the sin, of course, remember, they're all burnt offerings. When you took care of your, the sin, when you made, when you got it right with God, when you made peace with God, uh-oh, I gave it away. The peace offerings. So you have the sin offerings, they're all burnt offerings, you have the sin. Once you got sin out of your way, now, 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 now pay attention to this, the sin offering was a required offering. You know what, you know what was offered for a sin offering? Bullocks, rams. So when you got when you dealt with your human nature and you made peace with God, guess what the next offering was? It was a peace offering, wasn't it? Guess what the sacrifice was? A lamb. Because once you took care of that human part of you, that nature, you became like a lamb. And so you had to offer that sacrifice of a lamb. Does everybody see that? God devised a way. God devised a way. That is the way we deal with our... Oh, let's read it. I'm, I'm going to take you guys there. Let's read it. You, you know this by heart, but I'm going to read it anyway just because I want to read it. Uh, let's go to... Uh, first of all, let's go to the book of Romans, chapter 12. Everybody should know this. Everybody should be singing this song. Verse number one, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Everybody see that? Here, here's the thing. Our sacrifices have to be acceptable sacrifices. 
Can't be just something we could just put up there. They have to be acceptable. Huh? So we're to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is what? Our reasonable, reasonable service. Okay? So, so you see that. You see what the scripture says concerning that. And you go over to um, you go over to uh, 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2, and you read this, <clears throat> excuse me. You read this. 1 Peter chapter 2, and uh, verse number 5, it says, Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood. Look what it says. To offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. So we're to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable unto God by Jesus Christ. So, so we see that. So in that, in that area of, of spiritual sacrifices, you know, we, we can see that. We can see why it's important for us. Um, uh, and then <clears throat> sometimes, sometimes uh, in offering these spiritual Sacrifices. Let me let me find my scripture this here. Uh, we're to offer up a sacrifice of, of thanksgiving and praise. Well, go to Hebrews thirteen fifteen. I'm just I'm just using this as an example so you can know, so that you can know. We're we're to offer up spiritual sacrifices. Hebrews thirteen fifteen. And it says this. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But to do, but to do good and to communicate to be enough but with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. So we see that. In, in, in that compass of sacrifices, of course, we here's the thing. Here's the thing. We are always ever present in our bodies. And we, we fight against our human nature, don't we? We battle it every day. Every day you wake up. We wake up fighting our human nature. If you let your human nature get to you, you wouldn't be here this morning. You'd be sleeping in. Huh? But guess what? You're, you're presenting your body a living sacrifice. He came to church. Get up, body. I'm going to the house of God to worship. I'm going to give a sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. Huh? I'm going to deal with this, my human nature. I'm going to... The devil's been trying to tempt me. I'm going to, I'm going to take care of this. I'm going, to, I'm going to take care of the bullock. I'm going to take care of the ram. Huh? I'm going to deal with that. I'm going to bring it up to the altar. I'm going to sacrifice it. I'm going to present these as a sacrifice. We're always dealing with our human nature. We're always dealing with it. But God made a means for us to deal with it. We're to present our bodies a living sacrifice. But why is this important? Let me tell you something. 
Because when you go into the, the, the Feast of the Lord, you go to the Feast of Tabernacle, here's the thing. Why is it the number of sacrifices double during that time after the Day of Atonement? Why does the number of sacrifices double? You know why? Because we're dealing with our human nature. We're dealing with our human nature. Look out there in this world. We're, we're, it seems like the time we're living in is just so... There's a lot of things that are just have come out of the woodwork, haven't they? A lot of temptation, a lot of sin, a lot of immorality, a lot of abomination. Here we are, we're dealing with it. So what does God say? We see all this stuff going on in the world, guess what? So that's why the number of sacrifices double. You know why? He wants us to stay on top of it. Good thing about this sacrifice. Here's a good thing about this sacrifice. God made a way for us. When I talked about Jesus, when I talked about let me let me let me go into some things about Jesus. Go with me um, to the book of Hebrews, chapter three. We might be in this book study in the Bible study. I want you to see something. Hebrews chapter 3, <clears throat> excuse me, verse number 1 and 2, okay, and it says, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him that appointed him as also Moses, was faithful in all his house. So we're to consider him the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. Once you understand what his his role as far as in, in our lives, you go over to uh, Hebrews chapter 5 and, and look what it says. Hebrews chapter 5, verse number 1, it says, For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men and things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. Does everybody see that? That's what a high priest does. Who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way, for that he himself also is compassed with infirmity. In other words, you know, the priesthood, the Levitical priesthood, and even Jesus dealt with his human weaknesses. We have weaknesses. Okay? But he says, and by reason hereof he ought as for the people, so also for himself to offer for sins. So he had to offer for the sins, not just for the people, but for himself. This is the, now he's talking about the high priest. That no man taketh this honor unto himself, but he that is called of God as was Aaron. So also Christ glorified not himself to be made in high priest, but he that said unto him, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. As he saith also in another place, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So, so we see there what he's saying about the, the, as far as the priesthood. And, and Jesus, when he came, uh, and I know I made reference to this. Go with, go with me to Hebrews chapter 2. You can write this down. Hebrews chapter 2, verses number 17 and 18. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
Well, we'll back up to verse number 16 in Hebrews chapter 2. For verily he took on him, he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Everybody see that? So he wasn't an angelic being, he took on flesh. The reason why. Uh, Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. So he could understand what it, what it is like. Human nature. Everybody say human nature. That's what you and I are dealing with, our human nature. As Brother Craig used to say, oh, for the love of humanity. He always made reference to that, he said, because of our human nature. If it's anything that we battle, it's not just temptation, not just the devil, not just the world, but our human nature is probably the most thing that we just get so perturbed with. You should be perturbed with your human nature. Jesus obviously went through it. He understood what it was like to deal with human nature. But he came for that purpose so that he could understand. That he could understand what it was that you know we, you and I go through. So he knows. And if you read verse number 18, For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he suffered... Being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. In other words, he's able to come and aid. That's what that word succor means. He's, he's able to come and aid, able to come and help them who are tempted. So in other words, whenever we go through something, guess what? We don't have to go through it alone. We don't have to go through any temptation alone. He'll come and he'll help us. He'll make a way for us. Hallelujah. Okay? So we see that. <clears throat> Excuse me. We see that. Of course, we get another uh, 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 look at this in, in Hebrews. In, we're still in the book of Hebrews in chapter 4. I read this to you earlier. In chapter 4, verse number uh, uh, 15, I read this to you. Uh, uh, it says this, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. So we see that. Everything that you, and, and you know, I heard people say, oh, you don't know what I'm going through. Yeah, there may be certain things I've never went to, but I know somebody who's gone through everything you and I have ever gone through, and all humanity, that's Jesus. He understands your woes. He understands your, your problems, your issues. He understands everything about you because he's gone through it. Guess what? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Some of us are only exposed to a certain uh, limit or a certain amount of temptation, a certain amount of sin. Some of us are, are exposed to that. We give into what we're exposed to. We give into it. But here's the thing. Jesus wasn't just exposed to certain things. He was exposed to the whole spectrum of it. And, and we feel burden when we face certain things. We go, oh, I can, I, don't know, I can handle this. Guess what? He, he was exposed to the whole spectrum of it. He was exposed to all of it. But guess what? He came through not being defiled. That's the difference. 
He knows what it's like. He's been there where you were or maybe are at right now. Huh? But here's the thing. He can reach down and he can help you. He can pull you out. That's why I believe Paul wrote this. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And we will. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Woo! Well, let's go there. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 9. That's my, we might as well walk through Hebrews. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 9, look at verse number, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, look at verse number 11, it says, But Christ being come and high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the, the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctified to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Woo! Oh, there's something. I'm going to throw something in here in a few moments here. Wow. You read in verse number 23, same chapter. It was therefore necessary that the pattern of things in the heavens should be purified with those, with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. Hallelujah. That's why I say, even at this moment, right now, this isn't fiction. Huh? This is not a fairy tale. This is not a, uh, this is not folklore. Huh? It, this is real. Right now in heaven, guess what? He, he, he's probably looking down upon all his people. There he is up there in heaven as his role as a high priest ready to intercede for you and I. Amen. Woo! Ready. Like Paul said, come boldly unto the throne of grace so that we can have, find help in time of need. That's what he's doing right now. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 11. <clears throat> Excuse me. And every high priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins, forever sat down on the right hand of God. He took care of it. Now here's the difference now. Is everybody ready for this? I won't even charge you for this. Because you ever notice that what he did 
here's the thing. Woo! Here's the thing. On Passover, he literally took care of sin. He took care of the sin question for mankind. He took care of it. Here's the thing. He even reached over into the seventh month. Why? Every, every, every time at the Feast of Tabernacles, they had to go in there on the Day of Atonement to make that, amen, sacrifice, to, to, to make that atonement for, the, for Israel so that their sins could be rolled back another year. The wrath of God could be held back another year. Why? That's the, just, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. So guess what? If they offered that sacrifice accordingly, their sins were kept back, their judgment was kept back another year. They, they had another year to, to, you know, at least experience some, some peace and joy. But here's, here's the thing. Now, Jesus, on that sacrifice on Passover, even took care of the, what was happening there on the Day of Atonement. Now, we don't have to worry about looking forward to judgment every year. Huh? Not unless we accept his atonement for us. It's been taken care of. But he said, I'll do this one thing. I'll make provision. I'll make provision because we're all still flesh. I'll make provision for their fleshly nature. Their carnal nature. Their human nature. You know how he made provision? That's why the sacrifice has changed. And that's why he instituted the sin offering, the burnt offering, the peace offerings. All these offerings he instituted. Why? Because he had to deal with human nature. And here, here's, here's the thing about it. Listen to this, everybody. Now look at the comparison. Now, we don't have to literally do this. We don't have to go congregate to Jerusalem every year to bring all these sacrifices. We don't have to do that no more. Guess what? What kind of, what kind of sacrifices do we present now? We present our bodies as a living sacrifice. We offer up spiritual sacrifices, don't we? We do this. He made a way for us to deal with our human nature. Man, I tell you what. It's so beautiful when you, when you take a look at what he's done. And so here we go on the Feast of Tabernacles. Here we go on the Feast of Tabernacles. We see that the number of sacrifices have doubled. I kind of think about the scripture about what Jesus said when he said that it's going to be like that just like it was in the days of Noah it shall be like that in when, when the son of man comes to return to the earth he compared it with Noah's day why Noah's day? Because there was so much ungodliness. Human nature dis displeased God. So what did he do? He brought a flood upon the world. He brought a, a deluge upon the whole world to take care of the sin question. To take care of the human nature, sin nature. And Jesus made that comparison. Just like it was in the day of Noah. Days of Noah. It's going to be like that in the days of the Son of Man. Of the coming of the Son of Man. We're going to see all these, all these things in our world. We're going to witness all the ungodliness. All the immorality. All the abomination. 
is it, you might as well be honest with yourself. When you go out there in this world, that's all you see. You see a bunch of ungodly people. You see sin just so, you know, it's messed up. It is really messed up. So we see all this happen. No, no wonder during this particular feast, no wonder the number of sacrifices double. Why? Because if, if we're going to make it out of here, guess what? We've got to present our bodies a living sacrifice. We've got to work even that much more to be able to overcome what's out there in this world. We're not the Catholic Church. Huh? You can't, you can't buy indulgences and say, well, Lord, forgive me for this, but I want to buy an indulgence because I'm going to sin. Huh? <laughs> I feel like this weekend I'm going to go out and have a good time, so I need to buy, buy an indulgence. No, 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 no. We don't do that. We present our bodies a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable unto the Lord. Hallelujah. So that's the, that's the difference. Now, does everybody understand? Does everybody understand? We, we could get into a little bit more detail or, or get a little specific concerning that, but I just wanted to I just wanted to kind of show that to you so you can understand why. Because I, I can't remember who it was. This was years ago. Somebody asked me about that. Well, let me ask you a question. I never really thought about it then. I didn't have the answer back then. So I was thinking, that's a good question. And then it dawned on me after a while, way after the fact, it dawned on me. It hit me like, oh, wow. Jesus was, he was innocent. The just, he, the just died for the unjust. He didn't know no sin. Thus the lamb nature. But to deal with our humanity, God had to do it a certain way. Had to be a different sacrifice. So that's why bulls and rams, and then pretty soon the lambs. Why? Because he knew he, had to, he still has to do with our human nature. Praise God. Praise God. Appreciate the Lord and His goodness. So I hope that helped you. I hope that helped you this morning. Like I said, there's so many things about this that it just amazes me. It just You can't just leave one thing alone. Something else always comes into the light. And so you want to make sure you uh, basically bring, bring that to the forefront too so we can know there's so many things about what God is doing right now and everything that's fallen into place prophetically that I know we're, we're at the threshold, we're at the door. Uh, it's, it won't be long now. I was reading of uh, things that were happening, basically happening right now in some countries, in uh, China, and uh, I think parts of, parts of some of the other uh, countries there in the in far east there and what they're doing and to me it was like wow we're we're uh, we're pretty close we're pretty close 
I lose all my Scripture says in the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, verse number 1, Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. 
that we be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. Honor your father and your mother. We still believe that today, don't we? Amen. Today we want to honor all our, our mothers. How many mothers in the congregation today? Fourteen, I think. Fourteen. Some missing. <coughs> Some missing. So if all the mothers, if you would just, if you want to come up here and stand up here, and we're just going to have, I'll just read a scripture for you. Honor. Maybe if I could get just try to make a line here, just make a line where you're not crowding one another, but you're all here. Just all you mothers calling all moms. Either way, you can stand either way. Scripture says, who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. That's how you ladies are to us. You're really precious. Nothing can nothing can really express what, what our mothers and our wives are to us. The heart of her husband does safely trust in her, so that he shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good, not evil all the days of her life. She seeketh wool and flax and worketh only with her hands. She is like the merchant ships. She bringeth her food from afar. She, she riseth also while it is yet night, and giveth meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. She considereth the field and buyeth it. With the fruit of her hands she planteth a vineyard. She girdeth her loins with strength and strengtheneth her arms. She perceiveth that her merchandise is good. Her candle goeth not out by night. She layeth her hands to the spindle and her hands hold the distaff. She stretcheth out her hand to the poor. Yea, she reacheth forth her hands to the needy. She's not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. She maketh herself coverings of tapestry. Her clothing is silk and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the houses of the land. She maketh fine linen and salleth it and delivereth girdles unto the merchant. Strength and honor are her clothing and she shall rejoice in time to come. She openeth her mouth with wisdom and in her tongue is the law of kindness. She looketh well to the ways of her household and eateth not the bread of idleness her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praiseth her. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. So we thank you very much, mothers, for all that you do for us. Everything that you do in life, it's not, a, it's not really a, an easy chore. Everything that you do for your family. So we want to honor you with this this morning, and of course I want to offer up this word of prayer for everybody, so if you would join me. Lord Jesus, Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for everything, Lord, that you have given to us. Lord, all the wisdom 
the knowledge that you have imparted to us, Lord, even our families. We thank you, Lord, for what you have placed in our life, Lord. God, your word and the structure that we have. And Lord, we thank you, Father, this morning for our mothers. We thank you, Lord, for these good ladies, Lord. We thank you, Father, for their love and their faithfulness. God, their hard work, their compassion, Lord, in Jesus' name. So I pray, Lord, that you would go before them. I pray that you would continually bless them. Lord, that you would give them the strength that they need, the grace, O oh God. Amen, Lord. That you would bless them, Lord. Everything, Lord, that they do, everything that they touch, God, that you would prosper them. And Lord, let your hand be upon them, Lord. I pray, God, that you would, amen, Lord. Allow them, O oh Father, to experience, Lord, the love that they have shown. Let it return to them. God, their compassion, Lord, that they have. Amen, Lord. Even, O oh Father, their faithfulness and their, amen, devotion to you, Lord, I pray that you would bless them, Lord, for everything that they have done. God, that you would bless them this day. And Lord, let them, amen, come up before you, Lord, in, as a memorial, Lord. And I pray that your hand be upon them. This we ask in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much, mothers, for everything that you do. God bless you today. Special day. Amen. Hallelujah.